0: whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer. If you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and with me, I've got my friend, Chris Vines.
0: Hey, Dan, and everyone out there listening to our podcast.
1: (laughs) You know, I have loved this whole process. When we began in February of 2020, I had no idea of where this was going to go. Were we going to do ten episodes and then pod fade like so many others? But now we're over a hundred and twenty episodes. It's just kind of hard to believe that's happened.
0: February of twenty twenty is that was that when we started?
1: That was right wow. before the world fell apart. That's what I was
0: saying, man. Right then, a month <laughs> later, it just man that that should be testament that this is not because of us. This is all because of the grace of God. <laughs> It is.
1: It is totally that. And so, well, we're gearing up for the SOAR 2022 conference. Uh, Chris is a visionary leader there. We've had some guests on as we've talked about the the conference, about breakout groups, uh, the main stage speakers, and some things along that line. Uh, But what we wanted to talk about today was this big idea of when you're prepping for a big trip. Now, it could be SOAR. But it may be some other thing that you have going on during the summer months. And one of the things that we want to get out of the way is this. You have already decided this trip is a value. We're going. We're going to make it happen. And so we need to think about some things. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today. But I just want to encourage you. These are the summer months. That's when we're recording this, summer of 2022. Uh, Take the time to build relationships with your students. And maybe that's... A picnic, maybe it is during these trips, uh, but you want to spend some time investing in those relationships. And a place that is concerned about relationships with your students is Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. They're a podcast partner, and they are challenging, engaging, and inspiring. It's a place where your student can go and learn about whatever vocation they're interested in in a Christ-focused atmosphere. And so I just encourage you to point them that direction, cbc.edu. They can find out more information there. Or they can call and set up an appointment to go visit the campus, talk to one of their admissions team. Uh, just a lot of great things happening there. And if you need to finish up your degree, they have a program called PACE that help you in that regard. Again, that's cbc.edu. Now, Chris, as we talk about big trips coming up, uh, let me throw this out there. Um, what has been your favorite trip that you've taken? Maybe with students, or maybe it's been on a, a personal trip.
0: Yeah. So are you ta- So you're talking about any
1: trip? Any trip? Any trip? Hmm.
0: I'm gonna just go back within recent history of our group, okay? And that's just what to answer your question in the fairest way. The the best trip that we've had in the last year was actually the end of last summer with a one day trip to the lake.
1: Oh, just okay. a lake
0: day a late day trip. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, right? And, and being, <laughs> as you said, visionary leader for SOAR, you might expect me to say something about Sore. Now, don't get me wrong. We've had great trips to SOAR. The reason I picked that one trip is just simply because of how the Lord providentially allowed it to fall. Um, and we planned it, but how He allowed it to be planned within a very needed time within our group. It was a very difficult time uh, when we did that last year, in fact, it was it was such a difficult time for one particular student of ours that I, I was really struggling. Do we still go to the lake? Do we not? Mm, and yeah, yeah. Um, and and we, you know, through the counsel of my pastor and a few others, we we saw that it was still something that we should do, because in that particular context of our group, we we felt it necessary that we didn't isolate, but that we came together. And, uh, and so that was the mindset of having that particular day. It wasn't just all about just going to the lake. It, it became much more than that. And as a result, it's going to go down in, in history for me as one of the the best trips that um, that we ever had as far as just being a group, having community. It was just good.
1: Well, it could be the little trips or it can be the big trips, but man, they can make a big difference in our students' lives. They're needed and they can help build those relationships. And so we want to talk about some of those things today. But as I mentioned before, we have already decided that this trip is important. And so maybe you're going to take your, your group to a mission point. Maybe you're going to take them to a conference, to a camp, um, any of those things that when we refer to these, these trips, this is these, uh, this idea that you're going to spend the night somewhere. it's going to mean that you're taking somebody's child to another place on the countryside. So maybe it is out of state, maybe it is out of the country. That's going to be the unusual one. So, uh, but more, more than likely it's just going to be to another state. It's going to be far enough away that they're going to have to spend some time away from mom and dad, from their little safety area. And so we want to think about those things. So we make sure that during this process that, Well, we're keeping uh, other parents' kids safe. That is huge. You know, you can get away with a lot of things in student ministry. You can make a lot of mistakes. But if you put a parent's child in a place of danger, you may not have your job long. And so it's important for us to think about the safety. We're wanting to think about ministry. We're wanting to think about all these things as we look at the big trip that's coming up. For many of our listeners, for many that are in our own tribe, it is that idea of going to the SOAR conference or maybe a national camp or just the, your local church camp where they're going to be away from home for a few days. And so we want to talk about a few things. I've got some to start, then we'll, Chris and I are going to talk together about them as we share. I, I think of three things that we need to make sure that we have. First, we need to have the right attitude, and that falls on us. Because when we are working with students and when we're in student ministry, heck, when we're in ministry altogether, there are times that things are going to come up in life that we want to be at, that we want to be a part of, that we have to say, no, I can't because of my job. But that's the same with any other job. There are times when you just can't go and be a part of something because of that responsibility. But it falls to us to make sure that we have the right attitude As we go off on this trip, we need to check it, make sure that we are um, bringing a positive attitude, that we are sharing that with our students. And so if there's something you need to fix within your own attitude, make sure that you have the right attitude as you head out. Hmm. The, The other is this idea of right volunteers. Chris, I don't know about you, but I have had some... Well, I don't want to say some stinkers along the way, but that's probably the best description. Some <laughs> some volunteers that I, I wish after the fact that I thought ah, they should have stayed home. How about you? What What's that look like for you?
0: Yeah, you know, volunteers are are crucial. I mean, good volunteers are, are crucial. And so, yes, I've had I've had a couple in the past where I'm like, yeah, probably not going to ask them to come back. And it, I've never had any just disastrous moments. I'm thankful to say that. And that's that's just by the grace of God that's not because I'm great at picking volunteers, but you know one thing that comes to my mind as we as we talk about this is you know the majority of of people who are listening to this podcast um along with you and me dan i mean we're we're not pastors of big churches, yeah we've got yeah. smaller youth groups, and so when it comes to volunteers, we've got a smaller pool of people that we're we're coming from that we're getting from and that can be difficult when it comes to picking volunteers, because a lot yeah. of times it's not a matter of picking volunteers. It's a matter of begging for volunteers. And, <laughs> and if, if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I want to go on that trip. It, it's it's easy for us to say, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. And in other words, we don't go through a full interview process. Um, we just say, Oh, great. I'm going to put you in this room. Right. And that's it. Um, but we we also have to understand that even in our small context that we should in we should pick our volunteers as best yeah. we can. We we don't need to just immediately say yes when somebody volunteers themselves because we all know this. This is just common sense. There are we we would make a list of people. And this isn't a bad thing. And I, I think we probably should maybe make a list like this. Others may disagree with me, but a list that, of people that we don't want to go. And, and I know that sounds strange, <laughs> but but let's just be be honest with it. I mean, if you had to write your ideal volunteer, right? Um, nobody's going to find a perfect individual, but there's right. nothing wrong with writing a a volunteer description list and then going down that criteria. And if certain people don't meet that criteria, then it's okay to say no. And that's that's hard though when it comes to a smaller church and a smaller it context is. where where we yeah. just need we just need bodies to show up, right? And, and I would say that, you know, everything I just said right there is, is fluid in the sense of what kind of trip you're going on. Right. So I might find, I might want a different kind of volunteer for a late day trip versus going to soar or going on a on a youth retreat. Um, you know, so but but nonetheless, you know, uh, it is our job as pastors, as shepherds of students of our flock right in our church to protect them. And one of the ways that we protect them is by putting right individuals in place that are going to chaperone and lead them when our eyes can't be on everybody.
1: Man, that is so important. Um, I think about uh, the volunteers that I've had over the years on trips, and I am thankful for the willingness of every single one of them. I mean, for you to say, I want to go on a trip with 20 teenagers, that's usually, that takes a certain sort of individual. Maybe yes. it's, they're a little crazy. Uh, maybe they are just feel so duty bound to, to be there. Uh, sometimes it could just be a parent who wants to keep an eye on their child. That happens. We know it does. Uh, but I would just say uh, there, there are a few things that you want to make sure of that volunteer. Make sure that they have a, a relationship with Christ. That's paramount, especially if this is a trip <laughs> to a conference. Um, But in in a lot of other areas, you want to make sure that they can effectively share their faith with those students and to be able to discuss that. Do they have to be perfect Christians? No, not at all. But they do need to be able to understand their own faith and be able to share it. I think that they also need to make sure that they can have fun. Mm -hmm. Man, so many volunteers over the years have just gone and, and been the fun police. And that's not what we want, but we also need volunteers that can hold the, the line when it comes to the rules and regulations. They can be the adult when they have to yeah and that's that's hard to balance, um but man, it makes such a difference on especially on the big trips when you are gone for multiple days, um, whether it's church camp, a conference or a mission trip and it's it's just really important, yeah,
0: yeah. I'll say this real quick, Dan, and then we can move on because I know you've, you've got two other great things. But, you know, yesterday for us, we, we went floating a river, you know, nearby our, our church. It's something we do each year. I think we've talked about that on a previous podcast. But, you know, I had 10 adults that went on that. And I'm thankful to say I did not have to I didn't have to really recruit anybody to do that. It was uh, I had I had like genuine volunteers for that trip. And my criteria for that was not near as strict as someone going to spend right. you know, two <laughs> nights in a, in a hotel room. When they said, hey, I want to go on that trip, I said, yes, you're on it. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, they were parents. I had, I, I'm blessed. We, we have great volunteers. But uh, that's one of those instances where it was just like, yeah, I just need I need more sets of eyes. I need more adults presence, uh, cause there was 31 of us floating down that river and, wow. uh, you know, you need a lot of eyes in that situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to lose a, a student. Yeah. Yeah. In the and water or a piece
0: of advice to somebody out there that might be saying, okay, well how, you know, I don't have a full interview process. Um, and I'm not, and I don't want to indicate that you need necessarily a full interview process for every volunteer. I, I do think it's important to have criteria, certain criteria within you know, for your own self, for your own sake and, and church's sake on who goes on what trips, that kind of thing. But one thing that can just can kind of catch some people off guard sometimes and also uh, not in, not not just to catch them off guard, but can give some clarity is just ask the question, why? So if someone comes up to you and, and just kind of out of the blue says, hey, I want to go on that trip, be excited. Like, oh, man, I'm so glad that you want to, you know, you want to go with us can I ask you why, why, why do you want to go? <laughs> you know? And that why <laughs> question can cut through some fluff, right?
1: It can, uh, And yeah. give some clarity
0: yeah. to, to why you want. Cause you, like you said, Dan, it could be a parent who just wants to be, I just want to go and, and make sure I have a set of eyes on my kid. Um, well, that might not be a bad thing, but at the same time, you need a volunteer who's not going to just be zeroed in on one kid. Um, you, you may need a volunteer that's going to be zeroed in on four kids, you know, and so, but getting to that why you want to go can, can give you a, a good pathway moving forward if, if he or she's going to be a good fit for that particular trip.
1: That's a, that's a great and simple question that we can ask potential volunteers. Why do you want to go? It just cuts through, like you said, cuts through the fluff. Well, the other thing that I mentioned is that we want to have the right mindset Um, As we look at these different big trips, um, we've already determined that this trip is important. Well, we want to make sure that we keep in mind whatever that trip is, being purposeful, being intentional. If we're taking our students to church camp, well, yes, fellowship and fun is a big part of it. But we want them to be there for those evening worship services when they have a chance to hear the gospel. We want them to be involved in connecting with their, their Bible class teachers. And so the ministry aspect needs to be paramount because that's our role. That's our job. As we shepherd them, we need to show them Jesus. We have to take, take and keep in mind all these other details because that's, that's what our jobs are. But it is important that we keep ministry at the top of that list. The other big thing that we need to make sure of is of safety. And I mentioned it at the beginning, but it is definitely something that we want to make sure that we do not so that we can avoid being sued although there is the the society that we live in that can that can happen Uh, but what we want to do is just make sure that we're keeping other kids or other parents kids safe i always have trouble with that statement Don't know why. I have my own kids. I want them to be safe (laughs) as they were being watched out by other people. Um, but it's just important that we make sure that safety is at the top or close to the top of our priorities. As we look at these trips, it's just too easy for us to say, all right, let's hop in the vehicle and go and then forget, well, do I have enough seatbelts? Um, do we, you know, am I going, have I taken care of the, the little things like making sure that I have a medical release? Do I have their insurance card? What's going to happen if we're in an accident? You have to think through those details. And it's a hassle. I mean, I, I, you know, we all just, uh, many of us, let me put it this way. Many of us in student ministry just want to focus in on the relationship and focus in on getting them Jesus But we got to make sure we're not getting them to Jesus too quickly, Mm -hmm. and so we got to take care of safety as we look at those things. Well, how do you handle that, uh, Chris? Do you do you have a medical release that you sign once a year? Do you handle each big trip separately? What do you do?
0: I have a medical release form that I ask uh, that I ask our our parents to sign um, at the beginning of the year. That basically in that in that uh, that whole consent form. It, it gives them permission to go on any GSM trip in that particular year, any Garrett Student Ministry trip in that particular year. And it gives them an opportunity to update any kind of insurance information, things like that. I run everything everything through Planning Center. It's what our church uses uh, as far as registrations go. It, it makes it just simple where I'm not receiving money and all that kind of stuff. But in that, I can attach this form and they can submit it all virtually, you know, on their phone, on their computer, that kind of thing. And then I have a I have a documented system, you know, within my phone, within my computer of all of those forms. And so I don't have to keep up all these papers and I don't have to worry about them mm. turning them in, you know, the day of the trip or something like that. I just need to go online and make sure that a kid has that the parent has submitted that form and that I've that I'm good on that. So that's how we that's how we handle that particular situation. And I would say, too, on, on safety, we need to think through, like you said, we need to think through as many scenarios as we can. Um, but I would, I would also tell you as a youth pastor to just to relax just a little bit, um, and and I don't mean that in the sense of be lazy or be passive, but just to realize, okay, think it, overthink it, try to get yourself in a in a position to know how you're going to respond in in certain situations, but just be prepared that you're not going to be prepared for every situation. There will be times where you. Uh, You have to think on your feet and you will need people around you to do that for you as well. Um, You'll need to lean on other people. But most importantly, we always, and I don't say this in a cliche type way, we lean on the Holy Spirit within us. We lean on the Lord to direct us in what to do in every situation. Don't have to go into great detail, but just a few years ago at SOAR, uh, we had a situation that was not affecting our. It wasn't within our group but it was in our area there was a um, an active shooter situation that was about five miles down the road you know it never came closer to that than you know to us but at the same time it made all of us be on alert and it made us all think through what do we need to do right now and that's one of those things i'll just be honest and the reason i bring it up um, is not to say hey this is a scary situation but it's just say in, those, in that moment, that was not a scenario that I went through in my mind prior to leaving our church, going to a conference. And right, that's one of those right. things that's just completely out of your control. We responded, and I believe we all responded well, and we had the help of each other and knowing what to do and all that kind of stuff. And and we were never in any kind of immediate danger. It was just one of those situations where this is how we need to act right now, and this is how we need to respond. And it, 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 again, it just wasn't one of those scenarios I thought through. But— all that said, um, think through as much as you can. Try to think about, you know, you're going to be in this location. What what do I do in the case of this? You know, um, and, and part of this, Dan, I think, is just individual awareness. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try yeah. to if yeah. we walk into a building, I try to know where the exits are. That's just a natural thing. I mean, I try to think, OK, if I've got 30 kids, where am I going to lead them in the case that we need to exit this building quickly? That's just that's just stuff that you just start, I think, paying attention to the more that you take groups places. And uh, again, it doesn't make you a perfect, a perfect person. It just makes you aware. And so I would encourage you to be aware of your surroundings and and always have that that sense about you if you can.
1: Yeah. And that's boy. I, I actually remember that because that was the one year I didn't go to SOAR since <laughs> like since 2008. And I get a call from my daughter saying, Dad, we're OK. Um, my, our group is in our rooms and down the road, there's been a shooter. And I'm like, okay. I mean, she was very matter of fact, she was taking, care and it was just, uh, you know, everything was okay. Um, but it, again, it's not something that I planned or I was able to invest in the person who took that group that year, because who would have thought, I mean, you just, but this is the world we live in. So we plan for the worst, but then enjoy the trip be aware, and uh, be ready. You know, when we go on these trips, the one thing we have to remember is that we're not on vacation. Um, We are there serving our students and serving serving our families and and serving our Lord. And so, well, I've got uh, two quick areas that I want us to talk about because these are things that, that we often have to think about, especially in the mid to small size church where you may not be flying somewhere. (laughs) I've I've never taken a group by plane. I've never taken a group by charter bus because I've never had one that large. Usually it comes down to 15 passenger vans and uh, multiple 15 passenger vans, but still with that in mind. And so, Chris, how do you handle those traveling moments? When you're dealing with your students, do you set up rules that force fellowship? Uh, and, and the reason I asked that specific question is one of the places I was at before I even came there. They had established some rules. They didn't allow headphones. They didn't allow personal gaming systems. All with the idea that they would, as they traveled, that they would be speaking with one another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not always the case. Some will bring a pillow and they're out. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. going to sleep those six hours away. But yeah, uh, how do you handle that? That sure. sort of thing. Sure.
0: I, I'd say that I don't have any uh, hard and fast rules that I apply to every trip. I take into uh, two main things into consideration. One, what kind of trip is it? Uh, two, what's the dynamic of my group at the moment? Right. So mm, that's um, good. The, the first thing that I look at is, OK, like let's take SOAR, for instance. SOAR is one of those trips where we're going to take we're going to be on the bus together for four hours there's an opportunity for community there. Do I, and I ask myself the question, do I want that to be forced or do I want it to be organic? Right. And I know those are kind of some that organic, that's a, that's a hip cool way of saying, just let it happen. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, all this, all this stuff, but you know, that said on SOAR, I, I don't, I mean, I allow kids to take their phones. I allow them to have headphones. We're, we're traveling, right. A lot of times kids are sharing, sharing headphones. I've just found that in that, in that scenario, that's something I don't need to force right now that that's different. If the trip is a retreat to the, to the Hills, right. If we're going to a cabin, I want to, I want to put our minds and our hearts or try to at least um, get them in a certain position of readiness. Right. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is starting when we get on the van and as we move to that place. And uh, because if, if we're coming in, if we're coming in on, on, you know, coming into the retreat area and we've got all the music blaring and everything like that. Well, then all of a sudden the retreat has to kind of start once you hit the ground. Whereas I think you can use that travel time. as kind of a, just a a segue into the weekend, so to speak. Um, And then, so, so the, the trip itself, I consider what kind of trip is this Uh, now on, on any trip that we go, it's gotten to a point where I do make a rule. Like I don't want any gaming systems to come with us. Because I don't, you know, when we go on a trip, whether it be a retreat or SOAR or a mission trip, especially, you know, things like that, where we might be staying, we're staying in a room, uh, a hotel room or whatever. I I don't want there to be um, a temptation to for, for a group of kids or for one or two kids to just be constantly in the room, glued to a TV, playing you know Fortnite or or Call of Duty or anything like that. So I, I do say no gaming systems um, on the trip. That just and that also just makes things easy um, when you just say no gaming systems from from my point of view. The other thing that I consider is the dynamic of the group. I look and see like okay, has my group grown numerically, and as a result, has that numerical growth um, resulted in clicks, right? Um, and, and if it has, if it looks like that is part of the dynamic of our group, then I want to try to put things in place that are going to allow those clicks, right. To, to mesh together. In other words, to dissolve. Mm.
1: Um, and,
0: and that, so that's just one of those things that I consider and to say how that's done each time. I don't know if I can say that there's a this is this is how to do it. I think it's it's a variety of things that you can do. But I do consider the, the uh, dynamic of our group.
1: But I think the uh, underlying thought is that you're intentional about it. You mm-hmm. think about that each time as you move forward. Well, another travel issue is the idea of girls and guys together. Yeah. Um, that can be you know, a bit of an issue at times. I mean, there's the issue of PDA. Um, how do you handle those things with your group?
0: Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I I haven't had a lot of issues with this um, to the point where I've had to say, all right, guys, you're sitting on this side. Girls, you're sitting on this side. It's usually a case by case basis. Very rarely have I had to go up to, you know, a group of, or a couple of students and just say, hey, you guys are too close. You need to keep this in mind, that kind of stuff. Most of them just know. And <laughs> and then and then, you know, then there's those that want to be try to kind of be sneaky about it, that kind of stuff. Listen. This can get awkward. We know it can, but we have to also understand that, that this is part of our job as a leader is to protect our kids. And yeah. sometimes that means to protect them even from themselves. So, you know, we know how the teenage brain works. We know how the teenage boy brain works, right? And um, so one rule that you might say, uh, you could split the group, right? You know, you could say, guys, you're sitting with guys, girls, you're sitting with girls. If, if the dynamic of your group calls for such a thing, I would say do it. I, again, I, I would do it if I had to, but I would also say, you know, one thing that I think is a, this is kind of punny, but a blanket rule, um, is <laughs> if a guy and a girl are sitting next to each other, there will not be a blanket.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, I don't care how cold you are, right? If you want a blanket, sit with a guy. Okay. Um, and, and you can cover up yourself, that kind of thing. Um, but again, that's, that's just one of those things. And again, I know it's awkward and, and people out there might be listening some of you guys might be shaking your heads at me. I have no idea, but listen, a guy and a girl sitting next to each other. That's, that's okay. Right. I, I can, I can handle that and I can keep my eyes on that. And there's again, every scenario is a little bit different, but I don't care who the guy, who the girl is. Neither one of them are going to be sharing a blanket while
1: on a youth trip. Even on school trips. They make rules in regard to this. Um, the Harbor High School band trip uh, to New York City was an overnight ride. It was 26 hours in a vehicle. You'd get on the bus, and they basically said no girls and guys, no you know, couples yeah. will sit together because of that, that sort of thing because you end up sleeping on those trips.
0: Yeah. I would have and done so that. They, yeah. I would have done the same thing yeah. in that scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I – as a parent, I appreciated that. I mean, that was huge, and this was a school, so they could have easily not cared about it. But the band director cared very deeply, yeah. and it helps that he was a believer and that he wanted the best for his students all along. So, absolutely. Well, you know, th- talking about that, um, well, that issue of guys and girls interacting um, after we get there, wherever we're going, or we inevitably are being in a hotel or some place like that maybe it's a cabin or or what it's like um but how do you ha- handle the idea of room interaction or where the guys are allowed to be where the girls are allowed to be what does that look like for your group
0: yeah i i usually keep that just really simple um no no guys in girls rooms no girls in guys rooms Uh, And that's just that's just a hard, fast rule. And that and I I lean on I lean on my my volunteers, my room sponsors, you know, they they police that. So I'm not having to be hall patrol police or anything like that. That is standard. Like you're nobody, no mixed genders in a room um, ever. And there's always, you know, that one that says, well, I got I got to go get a phone charger from so and so. Well, okay tell her to sit it outside the door and then you go pick it up, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, there's, again, there's always those scenarios. I mean, teenagers are going to try to be teenagers and um, I know that, but yeah, those are the rules I've put in place.
1: Well, I know the exception for the small group uh, might be during uh, the evenings. If you have a group meeting where everybody's in there together, of course that's the obvious one. You, you know, you have all 12 or 16 your people all together in one room. Yeah. And that's totally different. Yeah. Um, but it does bring up the question of room assignments. Now, there's a couple of different ways to think about this, and so I just want us to talk about both sides of it because I think that's important. Chris, the the indication that I've gotten from the way you've described it is that you assign an adult to each room. Is that correct?
0: Yes, I, I, try to, now I've have, <clears throat> I've got a group, I mean, again, dynamic of the group makes a difference too. Yeah, it
1: does. I've got a group of,
0: I've got a group of guys, you know, that they're, they're borderline. Like, I trust them. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to just give them the keys to the kingdom. Right. Um, I still <laughs> right. have, um, I still have an adult in their room. Uh, and like this year at SOAR, their adult is actually a, a college student. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so, and one that I trust, so, I mean, it, it just depends, but yes, I try to have an adult in every room for, so, just for
1: safety. Now, here, here is the the question with that approach: If you have an adult in the room with, say, an adult male with two, well, I don't know how many. That's my part of my question: Is how many students do you put in each room with that adult?
0: I try to put. I try to put no more than. I try to put no more than three. Definitely no more than four, and and okay. that just and. The putting five to a room strictly comes down to, um, a matter of odd numbers, right? Right. In other right. words, I'm not going to buy a whole nother hotel room for just two people. Uh, so I, I try to, unless, unless it just absolutely calls for it, but I try not to do that. So I'm not going to put more than five in a room, but I'm, I'm not going to give an adult sponsor more than four to keep their eyes on. I try to give them only three.
1: What does that look like for sleeping arrangements then?
0: Sleeping arrangements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it requires, um, some, some, some of the adults in the room are parents, right. And their kid is right. in the room. So that, that kind of makes that thing easy. It um, does. It the, does. the other situation is, you know, call for a rollaway bed, bring in a, bring in a, an, a, bring your own air mattress kind of situation, you know, um, let the, you know, that you can get an air mattress, a twin size air mattress for probably 15 bucks now, you know, and just have that and just, just, you know, the adult has seniority, they get their own bed and teenager, (laughs) you get the, you get the air mattress, you know, that kind of thing. So there's I think that's a great question though, Dan. Um, One that's, I think more needed today than, than times past for again, everything, just accountability purposes. But yeah. So again, dynamic of the group, who's in the room, but roll away bed, air mattress, um, that kind of situation.
1: Well, I bring it up because it is a question that we have to think through. And it is something that we need to really think about a lot, uh, especially with the idea of protecting our sponsors as much as protecting our students. Because an accusation can happen very quickly and it can ruin somebody's life. Yes. Um, So that is one approach. What Chris is talking about is you have a sponsor per room. You may have two students in there. You may have Three in a worst case scenario, you've got four in there, <laughs> and so people are sleeping in bathtubs and things like that. But <laughs> you know, because I've I've heard about those. Um, but the other way to approach it, and some groups handle it this way because of that issue of uh, protecting our sponsors as much as our students, that they will assign a sponsor to be over a room, but that sponsor won't actually stay in that room. And so I've, I've done it both ways. Most recently, I divided out my group and would put three or four students in each room and the adult sponsors were in separate rooms. Now, my friend, Dave Vandergriff, gave me a little trick and he told me, okay, here's how you do it. And I thought, how in the world am I going to make sure that these guys aren't up in the middle of the night doing something stupid, which, you know, they're teenagers, there's that possibility. He said, you take tape, and after they have been put down for the night in their room, you put that piece of tape on the door, <laughs> and there is no way for them to retape that without their with with them going inside and I thought, huh and so I even had to have a discussion once with one of my students because a piece of tape had been mm. i could tell something had happened there, and so I just think we have to think about it. Um, If you have a parent with a student, that's the easiest thing. I mean, you've got some built-in accountability there. You don't have to worry about beds and all of those type of things, depending on the student, depending on the adult. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but we want to protect our students. Yeah. That's paramount. Then we want to protect our volunteers. They're giving up of their time and energy and effort. And like we said, a wrong accusation a hurtful accusation can destroy a ministry, a church, and a person's life. And so we just have to think through those things, what's best, how much can we trust our students and our group, um, and then look at it in a variety of ways. So yeah. what are your thoughts about that, Chris? Uh, I think I
0: think the more we can protect one our church, Oh yeah, our yeah. volunteers, and then our own personal ministries. Uh, over w- with with just practical common sense like that, the better, yeah. right? And we've had podcasts where we've talked about you know on a personal level things you know policies that we put in place, and it might be good to revisit that soon. But um, you know it, it's common sense stuff, Dan. You know, and that's yeah. Uh, and, and more and more, you know, as as we just progress into the the culture that that is around us, right? Yeah. And, yeah we are called upon, I think, to to think through just very practical things like this. Um and and some people some people might call us uh overassuming um or um just I, I don't even know how to how to describe it like unnecessary.
1: Yeah. But it's yeah. not.
0: It's it's not it's unnecessary. Not. <laughs> I mean because again we're talking about protecting protecting the the um, reputation of uh the church. Of Christ, the Bride of Christ. We're, we're we're talking about protecting the lives of of students and of volunteers, um, and we're talked about we're called we're called upon to protect our own ministries. You know, yeah. so don't put yourself in a position unnecessarily that could compromise any of those.
1: Well, there are a couple of things that we haven't talked about today that we'll talk about on another podcast. But one, the obvious is if you're going, especially going on a long trip, make sure that you have taken time to run a background check on your volunteers. Hopefully that's just a normal part of your ministry that will help with safety. You That will be due diligence on your part. The other thing that we haven't talked about, and boy, it is a tough one, Um that we're, I hope for us to talk about in the near future is what do you do about students who may be identifying as a different gender? And man, that's, you think, well, we, we're not having to deal with that. That's not <laughs> something that a small church or medium-sized church is dealing with. Yes, <laughs> churches are having to deal with that, trying to figure out how to navigate those issues. And so we hopefully will have a, a conversation or two about that in the future. But um, if you end up stuck, if you end up in a tough spot trying to figure those things out, we'd love to help you step through it. Uh, info at com, And we'll have uh, have an opportunity just to, to communicate with you. And if nothing else, point you in the right direction. Because... As Chris has shared before, we're just on this journey together. As we work with students, we we don't claim to be experts, but we have experienced a lot so far, and we know that there are still days ahead. And in an ever changing culture, it's important that we lean on the Father together and help one another. Well, Chris, you got anything else to add before we wrap up today?
0: I would just say, you know, the easy things about a trip are planning, driving. And moving from place to place. I mean, that's easy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it <I> mean, is.
0: <laughs> the planning, we're sitting in an office by ourselves, you know, we're planning it. The yeah. driving, we get to get behind a wheel and push the gas pedal and we go. And then we can easily get to the conference or the camp and then just make sure people get to the, the right place at the right time. Those are easy things. You may disagree with me. Yeah, they've got some challenges in themselves, but those are the easy things. Yeah. The things that we're called to do are not just be tourist guides. <laughs> what we're called to do is to lead our our kids to lead our people spiritually and so yeah. um yeah. don't don't think that the trip is planned don't think that the trip is done just because you've got the schedule in the hands of all your people going take time to think through all these issues that we've talked about but but take time to think about how you're going to grow spiritually as a group you know like for soar this you know the last 3 years we've had something called church time and that's coming around again uh, that's a specific time for churches, groups to get together and to connect spiritually about what the Lord is is showing them and teaching them through his word. So before you ever even get to the conference, think about how you're going to spend that time. Think about how you might divide your group up for the best experience possible for your kids. Plan that and then and then execute it, you know, Um by the grace of God, with with prayerful hopes of the Lord changing changing hearts and changing lives. So um, in other words, do the hard work, um, do the good
1: work of the ministry. Well, that's a great place for us to stop today. Um, Remember, you're doing these things because you love students, you care about them, you care about what God has called you to do. And we do all of these things because student ministry matters.
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.